Welcome back to The Paper Fold. I'm your host, Sarah, the paper nerd, and I'm so glad to be back nerding out with you on my favorite topic, stationery. So I think most of my listeners will be familiar with my guest today, Stacey Bloomfield of Gingerbread. I've been a huge fan of her work ever since I first spied her Little Black Sheep and her other illustrations, then on calendars and stationery at the New York Now Market several years back. Much of it was created when she couldn't find nursery decor for her own three children that she liked. Since then, with vital support from her little black sheep and a vast menagerie of inspiring imagery, Stacy has nurtured Gingerbread into a thriving seven-figure operation that can be found in over a thousand stores worldwide, offering an ever-expanding array of stationery, gifts, home goods, plus crafting, sewing, and quilting supplies. But what I really love about Stacy is that she didn't just stop there. She has created her own society, the Creative Powerhouse Society, to help makers grow their businesses. I got to witness this vibrant community firsthand last fall when Stacy asked me to give a keynote. It was such a great group of people. Honestly, I was a little sad to leave. Today, the Creative Powerhouse Society has over a thousand members, while her yearly capstone education class, Leverage Your Art, drew 570 participants in 2021, and her more elite Creative Hive Mastermind group has 20 entrepreneurs. At the heart of it all is Stacy's vulnerability and genuineness to share her successes and failures as she celebrates the accomplishments of the creative community she has created and painstakingly nurtured. As you will hear, part of what makes Stacy such a treasure to us all is her willingness to pull back the curtain and be honest about her struggles and successes, illuminating a path for those in her wake. It's definitely why I gave her a perfect score when I judged her entry in the 40 under 40 awards and that's also why i wanted to have her in the paper fold i'll be back with stacy right after this I need to take a moment to acknowledge the sponsor of this podcast, Girl with Knife. If you are not familiar with this exquisite house of design that has been dropping jaws and raising eyebrows since December 2018, get with the program already. Alicia Castaldi is the one-woman force of nature behind this feminine, unapologetic, and authentic brand. And from this girl's knife springs this divine range of upscale stationery, pillows, and candles. Rarely does a tagline deliver the truth, but Girl With Knife really is your brand new BFF in paper goods, just as it promises. At its core is the humble greeting card, but in Alicia's hands, it's not so humble. Her designs have the polished, posh imagery that will make you swoon and want to jump into this little world that's combined with copy to hit whatever feel it is you are seeking. From that core, a vibrant range of stationery and gifts have sprung. Let me tell you, Alicia just sent me a big box of her 2022 releases and they are beyond magnificent. Right now, everything is arranged in the corner of my office like a little stationery museum exhibit for me to occasionally go over and examine. Every last element has been carefully considered so the candles not only look divine, their scents are out of this world, while the gift wrap is printed on super thick paper 
for that perfect fold and the sharpest present on the gift table. It's no surprise that Alicia and Girl with Knife were the talk of the winter shows, and now that the spring award season has passed, I can safely say they were the talk of that too. The Louis Awards are known as the Academy Awards for cards, and this year Alicia won Artist of the Year after being nominated for both Artist and Writer of the Year. This is an enormous industry nod and accomplishment, and meanwhile, the Noted at Noted Awards are held each year in conjunction with that May stationary event. In years past, Alicia has won Snarkiest Card, Best Color Combo, and Best Use of Profanity, taking that last award twice, oh my. This year, Girl with Knife delivered yet again and won Snarkiest Card, Best Just Because No Occasion, and Best Color Combo. More recently, she swung by my other Podcast, the Paper Plains Cocktail Hour, presented with by New York Now, to chat with Amy and I about her approach, inspirations, and where she wants to take her breathtaking brand. Alicia only makes it look easy, however. She genuinely pours her heart, soul, and passion into every last release, and it really shows. So whether you work in the biz like me or are just looking for that perfect Carter art print, head on over to girlwithknife, all spelled out, dot com, and get your shop started. I guarantee your stationery and you will slay. Welcome to the paper fold. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. How are you doing? I'm doing real good. How are you today? I am good. I <laughs> am working from home today. Uh, it's dreary here in Northwest Arkansas, which is where I'm from. And I'm just glad to like take a break from the grind just to chat with you. So. I know it's such a treat to get to ch- to get to catch up, and you, no one can see Stacy's shelf, but she's in front of a shelf with a bunny and a. I, would you call that a duck basket that your children gave you for Mother's Day? It's definitely yes, a. It a duck. It's a woven duck basket, which could it could only be the perfect present if your mom is <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's actually funny for Valentine's Day. My husband got me this thing called a snorb. It was a snail shaped glass orb, and so Ooh. it was called a snorb. And you know, he surprised me with it because I have this thing for just figurines of animals. Um, I draw a lot of them, and so he doesn't even have to ask anymore. And I love it. Like I love it so much. That's so awesome. So, and I mean, interestingly, you did get into this business because you couldn't find artwork that you liked for your daughter's nursery. And uh, it's funny that that's such a sensitive area for women. I can remember really wanting to do my daughter's nursery in only light pink and crimson and being so disappointed that I couldn't find anything back in 2006 in that colorway. Um, So I remember meeting you at market uh, for the first time in 2011. Oh my goodness. Um, and, And just being really knocked out by your black and white sheep drawings um they were so sweet I mean I still can see them and I can see you standing there like they were lovely and I mean and you still have them oh yeah (laughs) we still have them still we still license them we still have them on products uh they they've lasted a while thankfully 
Well, they're they're so adorable. I I think I have my black sheet pin on or your enamel pin on like a, on like my coat because I identify with it. What can I say? Um, How many people do identify with it? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's so it's so quirky and cute. So. What's so amazing to me now about having watched you over time is that as your children grew, you know, your work has matured as well. And so I'm so curious about like what was going on internally with you to evolve your style so dramatically. I mean, did it sort of unfold naturally as your kids aged? Was it more intentional? Like what was going on there? It was not intentional in the sense that, you know, I run this stationery and home decor brand and over the years, people love my nursery art. We put these sweet animal drawings and colorful patterns and all of our products. Um, and we found that people who didn't have nurseries liked our art too, but that wasn't why I kind of transitioned away from being a nursery decor artist exclusively. I had three kids. I have three kids. Uh, I had my last <laughs> baby in uh, 2020. 2012. Yeah. And two things happened. One, I was exhausted. uh, Having three kids is no joke. Two, I was bored of drawing animals. Like this sounds silly because I I still draw animals. It's part of what I do. But I felt like I could not reinvent the wheel anymore with animals. Right, right, right. Yeah, not that that's what I needed to do, but I was just feeling stuck and bored. And you know what you do when you're stuck? You, as an artist especially, you need to try something new. And so that was when I gave myself permission. For a long time, I didn't give myself permission to draw anything else. I was like, this is what I have to do. This is what's successful. And I remember being exhausted, frustrated, feeling like I wasn't like in my groove as an illustrator anymore. And my kids were fighting. And so (laughs) I drew this poster. It had a hand holding flowers and it said, it's easy to be kind. And it was a very simple colorway, the same colors I'd always used. But that was literally the first illustration that I shared online that felt different from everything before. Not different in the sense that you could tell it was the same hand that drew it, but it was a different subject matter. It wasn't a bunny. Yeah, it wasn't a bunny. It wasn't like uh, licensable for nursery art. Um, in fact, I didn't even know who it was for other than for me. Uh, my kids were fighting and I drew that and I printed it on a print and I put it up in one of my girls' rooms. I'm like, it's easy to be kind. Stop fighting. Come on, guys. Come on. And um, I just I put it on social media because that's what you do. And it was, I, I'll, I'll never forget, it was like the first time I organically got like a thousand likes on a post. Not that that means success, Trust me, there's so many people who you don't need to measure your success by social media numbers. I was like, what? People like this. (laughs) um, But you touched a nerve and it was very authentic. It arose authentically. And obviously, like whatever it was that you put out there, a lot of people were like, yeah, (laughs) you know, like it resonated. Well, what happened is it's not like I knew in that moment, this is my new path, but it felt good to create art that was for me in that moment, which is funny. That's what I did when I started Gingerbread. I was making the art that I needed at the time. It was focused on my kids' rooms, but really it was for me. I wanted to decorate their nursery a specific way and I couldn't find it the way I wanted to. And then I found success with selling online on Etsy, wholesale and licensing. It was much smaller then, but there was sure. you know, the beginning of something. And so uh, really I just was being true to myself again, making the art that I needed in that moment for me. And uh, it turns out there are a lot of uh, people out there who uh, resonate with with 
artwork that's just simply honest and pretty. And that's kind of where I've been positioning myself accidentally for the past few years. Right, right. And I mean, like it is, it's, it resonates so much, uh, you know, so many of your drawings of like hands and women's bodies, like they are like such cool canvases for uh, the different kind of little statements uh, that you're making. And uh, they're, it's, they're so distinctive and it, it doesn't look like it doesn't look like anything else. And, um, and it, you know, it was, but it was definitely built on the shoulders of the little sheep or, you know, so to speak. Oh my gosh. Well, what's interesting is, and well, interesting to me, you don't mm-hmm. see it in the moment as a creative, you don't see your growth happening usually. Cause not many of us are examining our work with a, you know, under mm-hmm. a microscope, being like, what's changing. But when I look back at the body of my work, there are a few things that I can see consistently throughout my work, whether it's gotten stronger or not. Um, I use a very similar color palette. I always have been drawn to a very specific color palette. There mm-hmm. might be years where I use more pinks versus black and whites, but there's something really like consistent there. And it's just what I'm drawn to. Right. Another thing is I've always loved um, line work and texture and dots and pointillism, um, little aspects of that. So whether I'm drawing a hand and I'm putting little, it's like a canvas for texture or I'm drawing a sheep with dots or I'm drawing like a safari set for a land of nod with tons of tight line work. Um, that's something that always comes into play with the work I'm making. And um, I have this, in college, I love printmaking. And mm-hmm. my professor at the time, Mr. Bigelow, said, if you're going to make it, make a piece of art, especially with printmaking, you got to make it interesting up close, too. Uh, because there was one time we had a project. And if you know printmaking, this will sound familiar. And if you don't, <laughs> bear with me. Um, we have this big metal plate. You have this big metal plate with printmaking. And you scratch designs into it, essentially. And you run ink through it. And you crank it through a printing press. And that ink transfers onto a piece of paper. It's black and white. And I, at one point, had this big 16 by 20 plate and I was doing an, um, an aquatent etching of Albert Einstein. Bear Ooh. with me. He hangs on my wall to this day, but I did it really fast. And my professor said, you've got to start over, Stacy. It's not interesting when I lean in and get close to it. And I was like, it doesn't matter. It looks cool from far away. He's like, <laughs> but he's like, the real artistry comes from paying attention to those little details. And that's something that stuck with me, even though I went away from printmaking. As an illustrator, I I keep that in mind um, every time I'm making art. Because um, if you're going to make vector art or work on your iPad or be a digital artist, um, sometimes your art can feel really flat. Mm -hmm. But I like to think about how I can challenge that and put the the little details in there so someone can lean in close. I'm like leaning into my computer right now. (laughs) And... uh, can find something that they didn't expect to see, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like I'm, I'm on your page. If I'm looking away, it's because I'm looking at your best, I'm on your bestseller page and I'm like looking at your um, bumblebee sticker. I mean, the wings are little decorative, you know, they're little decorative bumblebee wings. Like, you know, you've really thought about these wings a lot and it just makes it so special and you know i love like a lot of your like i'm looking at your forest tea tea towel like it's modern folk it does look very cool too from far away but as you get close to you appreciate you know you appreciate more and you are so right that um you know especially when everybody's used to looking at so much work on screens like these details uh set it apart and and really make it 
um, special and memorable and also add a narrative element. Like a lot of times they really tell a little bit more of a story, especially with styling. I mean, you know a lot about style. I mean, I know you really style things, but a lot of times just like how you, whatever you show that tea towel with and, you know, it, it really brings it to life. And the more you look at it, the more you notice. And um, we've gotten used to staring at our screens, so people are noticing these things. Thank goodness. Oh yeah. Well, I think that you know, for me, when I another thing that helped me grow from like just nursery art. Not that there's anything just nursery art about no, nursery th- art, but I would have kind of put myself in a box of like I'm just this nursery decor artist. I because of that, I was afraid to try to draw women's bodies. I was afraid mm-hmm. to try to draw hands. I was afraid to try to take it beyond just a cute little icon that could go on an art print or a nursery set. And as I kind of set myself free from only doing that type of work, I found myself becoming a storyteller through my illustrations. um, Not that like everyone needs to approach it this way, but for me, I'm always thinking about like, what's the common thread? What's the theme? What's the story I'm telling in the single illustration? And then what's the story that the single illustration is telling in the full collection of work that I'm releasing that year? And I feel like um, that is something that, especially as someone who sells online, but also to retailers, retailers really like it whenever they can just pick up a whole like um, fleet of greeting cards because they're different. They tell different stories, but there's something that unites them all together. And that was kind of a freedom that I found the more I explored, you know? Absolutely. So I have been hearing that Kitty Meow Boutique name a lot lately. So I'm guessing that many of my listeners are already familiar with not just the dazzling wares from this Chicagoland house of paper, but also its amazing founder, a force of nature, also known as Catherine Hildner. If you work in stationery, you would have to be living under a rock not to have heard about Catherine's dynamic slew of educational resources to grow your product-based business. Every time I go to her site or Instagram, feed, it seems like she is up to something new. For example, Catherine just helped throw the ultimate product party in Scottsdale, Arizona this past spring, and that event was such a success, they're already planning next year's. But now I want to backtrack to the brilliant brand that started it all, Kitty Meow Boutique. This collection of beautifully designed paper goods are fun, fierce, and designed to make women feel confident, empowered, and courageous. And I gotta tell you, this intoxicating range is the closest thing to bottling those powerful qualities in stationary form. All of a sudden, being your best, most impressive self seems easy and feels even natural. Now, I look at work from stationary makers day in and day out, and offerings from Kitty Meow don't just have the great messaging that we want to put out there to those we love via snail mail. It also has the sophisticated look of your favorite couture. But rather than just telling you this, I'm going to try and show you. So one of Kitty Meow's current bestsellers reads on front, so grateful for your crazy ass happy birthday. Now that's one brilliant birthday message for your bestie. It's succinct, it's clever, it's funny, but it's laid out with just the perfect blend of refined typefaces and accented with chic paint strokes in blush and black. Oh, and did I mention the black envelope? Girl, the card is just as hot as you and your friend, and Catherine's just getting started. 
So it's really not much of a surprise that Kitty Meow Boutique can now be found in over 1,000 locations worldwide. That is a huge accomplishment for a smaller brand. Understand that when Catherine started her range in June of 2018, her goal was originally to be in 100 stores. Also in 2022, Catherine was not just a stationary trends designer to watch, but also a 40 under 40 recipient. All of this underscores that Kitty Meow Boutique is so much more than just another pretty face in the marketplace. And greeting cards are just the beginning. There's coasters, cocktail napkins, gift wrap, notebooks, notepads, pens, pencils, and pins. Every last empowering skew makes you not just feel seen, but good about yourself as well. Everything is essentially a little lift, visually and emotionally not just for those you love, but you too. Meanwhile, Catherine is getting ready to release a whole slew of cards this summer, and I, for one, cannot wait. If you are in the trade, everything will be up in her fair shop. You can visit kittymeowboutique.fair.com and start filling those shelves. Or just bounce on over to kittymeowboutique.com to get your most meaningful shop started. question about uh you know when you change your when you change your brand identity you know in the stationary gift craft and home world you know companies sort of tend to have a firm identity people you look at them you know when you're at a market and you walk into and I walk into rifle like I want to know what's new but I sort of know what to expect uh and so when when you change your vibe like so dramatically, like often that's kind of hard for everyone to catch up. So did you encounter any challenges in, in that regard? And then, and then how did you address them? Well, mainly I think that I took a lot of people on the journey with me. Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. feel like for some people, um, I'm not saying you have to do it this way, but I tend to be kind of an open book more Mm -hmm. or less about my process online in my newsletters. And I think that if there were retailers who had followed me because they had a relationship with me before, you know, they were kind of paying attention to like, oh, Stacy's making some different types of work. And right. yes, we did lose some retailers early on who were nursery focused, mm-hmm. but we actually opened up our world quite a bit because at the end of the day, you have to make art that people want to buy if you're gonna mm-hmm. put it on products. And um, I think that I opened up my audience a little bit by instead of pigeonholing myself just to be nursery. Okay, so imagine if Rifle only did nursery art. It would still be really, really beautiful, but they probably wouldn't be the phenomenon that they are right now. The style of the art would still be the same, but, you know, and sure, now Rifle can, art's on everything, Keds and, you know, (laughs) wallpaper, everything, you know? And so I didn't mean for it to work that way, but I think I unintentionally opened up my world. And so when we went from, we did trade shows, we took two years off from trade shows, and then we came back to New York with kind of this new vibe, still gingerbread, but gingerbread 2.0, a little grown up. And the response that we got was incredible. Retailers who'd followed us for a long time came back. We still had our staples. There's some things mm-hmm. people know us for. Right. Like a sheep, like you talked about. Instead of the sheep just being on nursery art, we put the sheep on a flower sack cotton tea towel. Ooh. All of a sudden, like if that retailer had a little nursery section with the sheep, all of a sudden they could take that same design. We have it on this tea towel and they can sell it to more people. Right? Right. So we need right. to just, yeah. 
Right. We didn't and, everything out. We- and you're getting all the black and white kitchen people too. Like, cause a lot of people oh, like are really love that black and white decor. And so it, it, you know, if they want to merchandise it a little differently for that market and maybe they don't have much baby, they still, their, their clientele is like, oh my God, I love this tea towel. I don't need to know that it was started in the baby market, you know? Oh, Exactly. I think that the biggest challenge was not so much my retailer relationships, which continued to grow, but I think my social media audience, that did shift. But you know what? Your follower count doesn't dictate your income, y'all. I know. And I, know. I can just tell you, like, though, just doesn't matter how many people you have on social media, not all of those people are customers. So I was less concerned about their response and more concerned with, like, how do we still present a line that our retailers want to buy, but open up the opportunity to buy more of our lines from us? And um, that that actually worked out, thankfully, pretty well. Not every retailer is like, I want some of these nudie girl illustrations that you're <laughs> illustrating. Not every retailer is, but some of them are. And in fact, in fact um, I'm good friends with Grace from Pink Olive. She actually sure. has a store down here in Arkansas. Which she is opens random. a store. Why? Yeah, I saw all those emails and was like, why is this New York? Why is this person with five stores in New York or however many opening? Did she move or? She, yeah, she's in Arkansas now, which is, wow. I mean, she still runs everything in New York, but she's about three hours from me, but I'll never nice. forget. She came into my booth, our first show, and she had, she was one of my first retailers. So she was buying my nursery stuff and she was like, what's new? And I, and I mistakenly was like, I don't know if you're really going to like all this new work, honestly. And I showed her one of my first illustrations. It was symmetry based with women's uh, bodies, but tastefully done with some hand lettering. And she's Mm -hmm. like, I don't think you understand who my ideal customer is. My ideal customer is not just shopping for babies. They're also shopping for their girlfriends, for their mothers. And she's like, we love this card. And that card is one of our bestsellers with them. So. Wow. Wow. That's so amazing. That's so amazing. Look, I mean, I guess the message is you know, if your work is authentic and it's heartfelt and, you know, and you're invested in it, you know, that the people who would, it will, who will respond to it will, you know, will find you or continue, you know, with continue. you. I think, so it's weird. I, I talked, I touched on storytelling, but I think that so much that's happening right now with small businesses like mine is our audiences and consumers are interested in our stories too. So if I had manufactured manufactured this shift because I was being very calculated and saw trends happening, I don't think the work would have been as good, honestly. And I don't think that the progression would have happened as gracefully as it did. Um, I I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess in that sense, I feel like freedom to continue to change and evolve Uh, because I think at the heart, Gingerbread. Someone told me once when they came to my booth, they're like, man, I feel like I'm reading your diary, but not in a weird way, but I feel like you're just, you're very honest here. Yes. And I think that a lot of people are feeling a lot of the things that I'm sharing in my art too. And that's, that's whenever someone wants to, you know, support you as a brand sometimes like, wow, I see myself in this art. I see myself in this message. And in fact, that's how I got one of our current wholesale reps that came into my booth and I didn't know who they were. Mm-hmm. And we were just chatting and talking and I was sharing my story. And mm-hmm. they, they're like, we didn't tell you this, but we're actually these reps and we want to sign you because <laughs> of the story that you just told me. They're like, we're not even looking for anybody, but this feels really like authentic and it resonates with me. And I was like, holy moly. Like, I don't know. There's something <laughs> to that. I want people to be prepared, but also like, don't be afraid to just 
be yourself. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, the fact that it's not calculated, that it was not calculated, that it was very organic, it's, is what resonates with people. And you're right. These messages are very authentic. Like when I saw that be kind to others hand, I was just like, oh my God, yes. You know, like, and it's, I don't know, you know, it's, there's something um, just, there's just a really cool like connection and synergy there between putting something authentic out and people responding authentically, um, especially when you sort of key in on some, you know, some of these universal things that a lot of people are going through. And right now people are going through but, a lot of things. So, you know, it's not even just the universal things. Like I, I'll, I'm going to say this really carefully. The past two years have been challenging to navigate as an online business because there's been so much heartbreak. Uh, there's been so much political uh, division. And whenever um, so many people in the summer of 2020 became aware of like Black Lives Matter, mm-hmm. um, I didn't shy away from that with my art, which actually felt very scary because yeah. it's not universal. Right. And if you were to scroll back through my social media posts, it's actually, I, it was a very interesting time as a small business because. Uh, if if you care about a, a matter, you want to speak about it, but also there's so much public scrutiny. So I felt very, I don't want to say scared. It was partially empowering just to share like what what is something that I can get behind here that I can share on social media because it's coming from a very genuine place. It's not performative. Right. And um, I put a lot of art out during that time talking about empathy and action and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, it, it's not so much that it was well received, but I think oftentimes it can be very scary to insert your own voice. Yes. That's not super generalized into your work, but I don't regret it. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah, think it's going to look totally. different for every, and that's going to look different for every single artist. And yes. so I think that that's also something to consider if you feel like you want to insert that into your brand, you know, mm-hmm. by all means, just feel free to do that. Don't expect everyone to love it. But I also think that for me, um, being authentic, you know, maybe the wrong word, but like I I wear my heart on my sleeve a little bit. I feel my feelings through my art and it just Mm -hmm. felt like I couldn't not make art that was in support of this. Do you know what I mean? Right. Totally. Sometimes you have to say what you feel needs to be said, especially if you're already an artist used to expressing these things like you can't work on you know, expression product and then like not express what you're feeling like, but it's very brave. As long as you're coming from a place in your heart that you can stand behind, Mm -hmm. I think that there is room for us to share um, more of like our personal convictions. Like for instance, I have other colleagues who've experienced like pregnancy loss or struggle with pregnancy. And that's a huge part of their narrative and their story and they share that. Now, some people, honestly, they, they get really freaked out to see women right. talking about that openly. But there are there's also a huge audience of people who says, wow, um, I haven't seen myself represented here or this idea or thought. And also, whenever you um, maybe take a step out and share art that is coming from a very genuine place, even if it is in line with a social movement at the time, um, I think it, it it allows other artists to feel some freedom to try to express themselves too. Now, don't jump on every bandwagon. Yeah. It has to be authentic. It has <laughs> to be genuine. But like that is something that I think um, really pushed me to be a little less afraid over the past two years to like be uh, share those parts of myself with thought, with, you right. know, 
with thought. Right, yeah. right. I love it. I think it's so great. And it and it really leads me well into um, my next question, which is, um, you know, you say all over your site, your goal is to encourage and inspire others to live their most full creative life. Um, and you really, really do walk the talk uh, through not just your work, as we've described, but through your community that you founded, the Creative Powerhouse Society, which mm -hmm. I hate society. That's the only society I would ever want to be in. <laughs> like, woo! Yeah, I... <laughs> that uh, you, uh so yeah it's funny i came up with that name so quickly i was actually in another live podcast a few years ago and someone was asking me about my work i haven't even started education yet and i was like you want to be a creative powerhouse we're all a part of the creative powerhouse society like i just said it off the cuff and then i was like oh i like that and so um to your point i know it's so funny that's where it all happens quickly but uh whoosh. um a few years ago yeah, I, I have so many people come to me, write to me, email me, asking questions about how do you grow an art-based business? How do you license your art, which is a big part of what I do? How do you get your art into products and sell it? And, you know, how do you answer that in, a, in an email? That's really hard because it's been, you know, a decade plus of trial and error. And also everyone's story is a little bit different, right? Sure. So everyone's I, I started this yeah. coming from a very different place. I mean, and and because it's an art based business, it shouldn't look like anybody else's. Thank you. <laughs> exactly. So uh, in twenty twenty, I started teaching about this subject, and I have a course, uh, but I also have this monthly membership where people can just they can join, they can come and go as they need to. They're not locked in, and they come in, they join this community of other artists and creatives, all on this, and you know, at times very challenging, isolating journey of trying to start a creative business. Right. And so that's part of what I do with uh, my work now. Yeah. I mean, I love it. And I had the pleasure of getting like a tiny glimpse of it uh, this past summer when you had me speak for you all. And like I arrived, I think I arrived like maybe 10 minutes early. You got, you were just finishing up with the group and you told everybody <laughs> how that you guys had just, you had just cleaned your studio and like what a big difference it was and how life-changing it was. And I have to say, I went and did that this, that weekend. I cleaned out my office and I was like, oh my God, it was, it was like, I had a new lease on my work life because I got rid of so much stuff. And when you, I don't know, when you move out all that stuff, you make room for more. But even in that like 10 minutes, I got inspiration that carried me through the next couple of months. Um, but I was so knocked out by it. And then once I accidentally got an email that I think goes out to all the members where I, that I got an email 10 minutes later, like you were not supposed to receive that email. And, uh, but it was so cool to get a glimpse of what, I hope that's okay that I say that, that of like, yeah. just oh my God, like, you know, it, it, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> the discussions that you have where you, you're you like, so-and-so just created this really cool bird anime. And I did not click through to see any of it, but I just I just read through it all. But it was like, so-and-so created this amazing bird animation. So-and-so just got into this store. So-and-so just appeared on this podcast. And it was just like, oh my gosh, it is a creative powerhouse society. And uh, I just love it. Um, so... Um, how do your experiences there inform what you do now that you have your own society? 
my goodness. Well, I'll say this, running a product-based business and then also doing education, two very different beasts. Yes. Um, beasts make me sound bad. Two very big <laughs> mountains to climb. Very different, okay? Um, I, I feel like with education, the thing, the reason why I felt comfortable teaching, and look, I know that there are a lot of people who see everyone teaching online and it feels like, you know, some, sometimes it can feel disingenuous, but I will tell you for me, because I do have 13 years of experience starting from my dining room table, selling on Etsy to growing my company, having my products at a thousand brick and mortar stores, having a team of 10 employees and licensing my work with some of the biggest brands that uh, I can imagine. I feel like maybe that positions me in a way to help other it people. Absolutely. It absolutely does. And you're and, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like it seemed like there was like a while during lockdown where every week I was getting an email for a new masterminds group, like stuff and so starting this, you yeah. have to be there. And if you don't attend, you're gonna miss out on twenty business tips to, you know, make you a millionaire. And you know, it is very you know, you started around, I mean, it seems like you started about that same time and obviously you were very different, but there are a lot of, there are like a lot of coaches out there. There's a lot of consulting and it's very, yeah. I, you know, I don't know who half these people are, but um, I'm going to say you could, you can do a lot worse than the Creative Powerhouse Society, obviously. Oh <laughs> I like that endorsement. We'll put it on our, on our sales page. You, you can do a lot worse. Oh, please. Let me write something better for you. Well, okay. I'll I'll just say this. I think that it's really challenging because um, we, all these small businesses, especially for the past two years, artists and illustrators wanting to launch a business, uh, wanting to grow a business at their own pace. All they're seeing are the highlights on social media, Mm -hmm. the win-win-wins. Also, things move so fast. I think it's actually hard to really find really good advice. I think mm-hmm. that um, I always say this, like my way is my way. There's more than one way forward. So what I try really hard to do in my monthly membership, and like I said, people can come and go as they please. They're not locked in. I actually mm-hmm. say like, if this doesn't help you, please leave. I want you to leave and feel happy <laughs> about that. Um, but I, I will tell you that like, I try to bring in people who are um, other industry experts to share their way because like my way is not the only way of doing things. But I also know that it's really hard to find a trustworthy place where you feel like someone's just not trying to sell to you, sell to you, right. sell to you. And um, I actually have that on our page. I'm like, you know what? This is going to take you a long time. I'm like running a creative business is harder, I feel like, than anything else. Number one, um, there aren't a lot of business programs out there for artists like us trying to create brands that we're proud of. Yes, brands. I'm not saying you have to brand yourself, but essentially, if you're going to sell your products to people, you're kind of building organically a brand. And, for, you know, we see all these you know, bros and coaches who are teaching people how to like become other coaches and they're doing work for like tech, tech, uh, tech startups and things like that. And I didn't find a lot of help for 13 years from anyone who was speaking to me about what I actually needed. Like, what do you do if you're a really emotional artist and you wear your heart on your sleeve and you know, like what you should do, but you also care a real lot about other things. And you're also creative. So you have a million ideas and you don't even know which place to start. Like, I think that there should be places to talk about that too. Uh, Absolutely. And I also think that like, oh yeah. And so that is kind of why I uh, built that. And 
I am really proud of it. It's really hard. I'm going to just tell you, if anyone says, oh yeah, you can make a ton of money online educating and blah, blah, blah. You know, it is the hardest thing I've ever done. Harder than probably building a brand. And it's something I wouldn't trade for the world because whenever I see someone actually like had one person in our, in our membership, I taught them about making a calendar and how a calendar can be a great first art product to create uh, because it's seasonal. Um, people, you know, it's really easy to figure out like, who you who would want to buy this product? So there's one woman based out of Australia, and mm-hmm. she made a, a calendar about pubs, beer pubs specifically. I said I think it's a California, Australia, and Australia. she created it. Yeah, Australia, and it was so specific. Australian pubs, right? How specific <laughs> uh-huh. can you get? She made like 500 calendars and sold out of all of them. And I just got to tell you, like that is the kind of success story that I'm like, yeah, because I don't want everyone in my membership to pull a Stacy Bloomfield and make art that looks just like mine. Right. I want them to figure out who they're serving. I want them to figure out like what makes them feel like genuinely like connected to the work they're making and figure out who that person is that they want to sell to. Like if we're all trying to become rifle, if we're all trying to become one can do two, if people, maybe some people want to be like me. I don't know. I'm not that big. Uh, you're, you're not going to find success because it's uh, that, that someone's already talking that way. You got to find the way to get your voice through, right? It's like that Oscar Wilde quote, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. When you were talking, I was remembering I, when I spoke, I, um, I, I did a, I did a, I, I couldn't think of what to call my keynote. And I, at first it was like, find your voice. And, and then I was like, well, everyone has a voice, you know, like we, and we, we, we do need to find it, but eh, that's not that special. It's more like find your song, like, you know, like find the way you really blossom and like, distill it and then put it on everything and succeed, you know, and, um, I just love that you're helping, uh, people do that. And I can imagine that, like, I don't know, helping someone find their path with an Australian pub calendar (laughs) that they printed 500 copies of and sold out of, like, that's got to inform you in your journey. No, I mean, like, as you, come across problems. I mean, it's seeing like, what everyone else is going through. Yeah. To your point, like, what have I learned from education that's informed the products that, make, that I'm making at Gingerbread? Well, number one, the first thing I learned when I tried to start teaching is that my product-based customers were not the people interested in learning from me because they're not the same person. So there is a creative artist out there probably following me on Instagram, and they might also like my products which is wonderful if they do, but my point isn't to sell products to them. Do you know what I mean? On right. the flip side, not everyone who's there for my products is going to be interested in education. So I ended up having two different ICAs, two different audiences that I was serving. At first, it was very confusing. I was like, uh, I don't understand how I'm supposed to do this. But then I realized like, okay, I, I, I don't want to confuse people or detract people. People are attracted to the things that they are interested in. So I actually have two different newsletter lists. When I'm mm-hmm. sitting on a newsletter, people interested in education only hear about education and people interested in product only hear about product. It really forced me to learn so much more about who the gingerbread um, ideal customer was. And that has actually given us, um, I feel like it helped us grow faster because literally that's the question that everyone is trying to answer. Who is the person who wants my products? 
and how do I find them? And so I figured out who was not the person for my products. And the more we went away from that, the more I really feel like I'm pretty in tune with like what our customer needs and wants. So then there is the opportunity if we were to create some products that would speak to the creative entrepreneur, we could do that, but that's not the core of what we're doing at Gingerbread. But if it, in, if it encourages and um, makes someone feel more connected to their creative self, then we can do that. If I'm creating products just to make money off of people who are my in my who are learning from me, that feels icky to me. But if it is all under the uh, lens that we've already defined for Gingerbread, does this artwork encourage? Does this artwork inspire creativity? Is it coming from an authentic place? Then maybe we do make some like a planner, which we're actually releasing a planner this right. year, and that might be the product that both people who are interested in education and our retailers and customers online they might like it. It's a weird, uh, you know. Venn diagram of worlds colliding, right? Yes. That might be the overlap, but yes. that's, that's, but that's not really our biggest goal, but right. that is kind of, that was born from that. Sure. Sure. No. Pro- yeah. I mean, it's amazing um, how that evolves. And yes, you could, like, I could see you doing like a notepad for creatives during meetings, you know, to help them get oh, through yeah. it. Like you, that would be perfect. And that would be like where your worlds <laughs> intersect, you know, um, or yeah, I don't know. I, I think a planner is a great, um, is a great um, direction for you because um, already, you know, you know what, you know, you know the the process that people are going through when they're trying to kind of stay on top of things and, and you know, and you can sort of inspire them as they kind of encounter, go through it. Also, uh, it's really hard to manage your time when you are growing a business in the margins of your life. So how yes. do we make the type of planner that actually helps with that? I think that is the number one question that I try to help people solve in education, uh-huh. um, not to be back and forth, but it's like, I started my business in the margins of my life. I had a full-time job as a coffee shop manager. I had like three hours at night to work on things. Is it actually possible to lay a solid foundation that you can grow from? And I think it is, but I think it, if you, you have to understand that time is going to be your biggest friend here because it doesn't happen overnight. And um, I, I just feel like something about learning what other artists are still struggling with. One, it makes me remember exactly where I was at, at the, when I was at that stage in my business, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. informs me. And uh, two, what is the advice that I wish I had had back then? Because how many products that I try out in the beginning of Gingerbread that no one bought, uh, you know, go to New York stationery show, invest all this money in a booth, hoping like, please come by my booth, please come by my booth and people don't buy it. Now I understand. I wasn't making work that was for like um, one specific audience. You can't be everything for everybody. Sure, sure. And I feel like like the brands that um, really struggle uh, to get off the ground, they're trying to be like, Ooh, I think this person might like this. And this person might, might, might like this. You're spreading yourself too thin. So if you can actually focus in on who that perfect dream customer is, mm-hmm. uh, imagine where they're shopping, imagine what they're eating, imagine the shows they're watching. I mean, heck if Outlander wasn't copyright protected, <laughs> I know that my ideal, ideal customer would love me to release some <laughs> Outlander products y'all, but I can't. I love it. I love it. And I love that you're like, you're reducing these early on, like growing pain type of headaches um, and letting people learn from your experience and like who better to get it from than someone who like, who was there creating products that apparently nobody wanted, which I find so hard to believe, but apparently that happened. 
<laughs> we just got through some notepads that we ordered seven years ago. We finally gave them all away. It took us seven years. No one wanted those notepads, let me tell you. It, it, but that's, that's part of learning. Right, right, right. Totally. And so I, I have one question that I thought of um, as you were speaking, because it's something that's kind of happened in my work. Like I have a really tough time. I noticed myself getting really stressed out when I would work on the publication for an hour and then I would go work on the my podcast and then my blog and then I go pick up my child from school and then I go back and deal with the magazine some more. And it really was making me just all over the place and not feeling like I was doing anything. So since then, I've really tried to get very intentional with like what I'm working on today. Like today, I'm just doing publication. Today, I'm just doing this and then I'm going to do a little bit of that. Or, But I found that that has really um, helped me. Do you do a yeah. similar thing? I mean, you have to, right? Well, I'm a huge time blocker. Okay. Uh, I so like this week, I pretty much I have a method of how I plan my goals and my time for me. Granted, I have a team now, but even when it was just Stacy Bloomfield doing it all by herself, I was I would set a goal for like what are five things that I'm working on right now. It didn't even have to be the day, the month, the year. What are the five big things that I'm working towards? And then I would take those five things and I would dissect them. Like what is the what are what's step A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Until I feel like this will get done. That might evolve over time, but I had to figure out what are the success steps I needed to take to like, say, get a new fabric collection designed, which is actually what I'm working on this week. I have oh, one neat. week blocked off a new fabric collection. But if it was like, I need to create the next calendar for Gingerbread, I know the steps that it's going to take me to go from the idea to having art to the printer. And that is something that every step I take, I document that I write it down. So that the next time I don't have to even think through the process, I can sit down and know exactly what I need to work on. So no more than five projects at any time. And I'm not talking like big beast projects. I'm talking like five ideas, right? Right. right Some right. of those projects are going to take a whole year to get through. So one of them might be like, write free blog posts and schedule them. I can get that done in a day. But I know it because like if I try to write a blog post and go write an answer an email and go do a conference call, no blog posts will get done. Right. So I have to block off that time uninterrupted. I've even started hiding my phone from myself so that I don't start scrolling. Um, it's a whole thing. Like I, I have such little self-control. I must hide things from myself. <laughs> but you know yourself. And so, you know, I, like. I know myself. Yeah. And then I will just say the last thing. If I'm just talking too much, just say, Stacey, cut it out. But no, um, I, I love that, it. Um, you people, people look at um, maybe what I'm doing and they're like, wow, she's doing so many things. But I will tell you, I don't do it alone. When it was just me, all I focused on for like two years was making art, figuring out the products that were within my budget to actually produce at that time creating listings, you know, like that was, that was it. You know, I tried a little bit of product photography. It was horrible. I was not great at it. That takes time, but that was it. And then uh, people always tell you to hire before you feel like you're ready. And that feels like impossible when you're at the beginning and you have no disposable income, but I hired someone to work for me like three hours a week in the beginning. And they mm -hmm. just helped me organize um, a spreadsheet of people we were trying to sell products to for wholesale. Started nice. out like that. That person is now my operations manager and wow. works full time. And, um, it's, she's also my sister. Hey, that's fine. Uh, that's actually, yeah. No, it's the good kind of nepotism. Uh, but I will just tell you that, um, 
every time we hire, like people are like, I can't hire. I barely feel like I know what I'm doing. But if you have, if you have an area of something you need to work on and you feel like you're in over your head, one, you need to have someone teach you how to do it. Or two, you need to hire someone who knows how to do it. And it doesn't have to be like 20 hours a week. It can be a couple of hours a week. There are people in your town, freelancers who are just wanting to pick up a little of extra money. And it might feel like counterproductive. Like how can I spend a hundred dollars whenever I want that hundred dollars to go in my pocket? But if you invest in someone who can help you get the work done faster, it doesn't be, it's not like a hundred dollars only brings in another hundred dollars. A hundred dollars brings in six hundred dollars. And right, um, right. And all the stress that you would have had trying stress. to figure this out for yourself and energy that you would have put in trying to figure out how to get that done when you should be creating product or doing something, you know, more in tune with like your skill set. Oh yeah. Well, as business owners, I don't, whether you're creative or not, um, you know, you feel like you need, you have to be a jack of all trades. You have to learn to do a lot of things on your own, especially in the beginning. But it turns out there are a lot of people out there who could probably do parts of your job way better than you could. And um, there are also a lot. Okay. For my, for me, I'll just tell you with where Gingerbread's at right now. Almost mm-hmm. all of our employees, minus two, are mothers with kids in school looking for part-time work. These women are phenomenal. They are so talented and we get the opportunity to work with them because there are so many companies who won't work with moms who have kids at home. And so we have this beautiful opportunity to attract talent where we live in Arkansas because that's a huge priority for us. It was a priority for me and it's a part of our values as a company still. And I got to tell you, like there are so many people out there who are really good at doing something that you're not good at. And they're probably <laughs> talking about the bit that can help you, right? <laughs> I love it. You're making me want to go find a mom in my town. <laughs> I got it. I'm, that's no, what I'm going to do. It. <laughs> Hire the moms. <laughs> yes. Hire them up. That needs to be your next sticker. <laughs> That'll be our next sticker. Hire the moms. I mean, you can be hire anybody. Finally, I just have one more question for you. Um, like, what are you? What are? I know you're working on so many projects, but what? Can you give us a glimpse of it? What's next? Woo! What's next for you on the horizon? Okay, so let me explain this. I am a big believer in putting a dream out there on social media and then seeing like what it takes to make it happen. So I, I asked a question about three months ago uh, about starting my own podcast because I actually really love talking with people about running creative businesses and people have been asking us for a podcast for a while. So you're going to think this is funny. I don't know when it's actually going to happen, but we have a wait list on my website for people to sign up to be notified when my imaginary podcast starts. But it's the best you would be a great podcast. You'd be a great podcast. You will. You'll be the oh. best. So I, I would listen. I mean, I, I'm glad that that's what you're doing because you have so much. Like I'm like, I'm like, there's so much. I could ask you ten questions, ten more questions, and have you here all day. I know you're pulled in a million directions. So I say, yeah, start a podcast by all means in all your extra time. <laughs> Well, here's the thing, though. I want to be really clear about this. If I'm going to pick that up, that means I have to hire something out or put something else down mm-hmm. because I am only one person. But what I was able to do by sharing that on Instagram, I was able to gather so much information and data from people about what they would actually like to hear from me because so often we think we know what our path is supposed to be, but then we get input from the people who would actually be like listening or buying from us. And it informs <laughs> our decision. So that's still in the baby beginnings. I would like to see that happen in 2023. Nice. Um, I hired, 
I hired our first assistant illustrator at Gingerbread for the first <gasps> time I started. And I have a few illustrations that are in our new product line that um, are not uh, just my hand. Although I, I do touch them at the end to make sure that it's exactly the way I want to. But that was a big, big ro- growing, growing thing for us. But what that allows me to do is to creative direct more, to focus even more on licensing and education. And um, I don't know, just to, as a business owner, the more you're in the middle of your business, the harder it is for it to grow. So my goal for a few years is like, where can I take myself out and where am I essential? I'm never going to not be the illustrator of Gingerbread. And uh, (laughs) I'm always going to be doing the licensed artwork, but um, you know, there is such a thing as too many things. Sure. So um, that is, that is a big goal of mine is to see what I can let go of so that maybe I can pick up a podcast and we're going to see how that goes. And then um, I do have my course opening for enrollment in August, which is exciting. And I'm going on a vacation soon. Woohoo! Yay! You have to rest. You got to rest if you're going to do um, this type of creative work. So. Oh, totally. And, you know, maybe hang out with your family a little bit. I'm sure you see that, but it's nice to just take a break and not be working or being pulled oh, away. I, I think that I, I always find that I actually have my best like moments of clarity when I'm away from work and, and uh, out of my house. Um, I think that's when I have my aha moments. Totally. So uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to take most of November and December off from work. Honestly, I've worked so far ahead. I've batch worked so far ahead. Wow. After I teach my course, I'm going to take some months off with my family. And I can empower my employees because they're so phenomenal and we're quite organized and ahead of schedule so that I can actually step away a little bit. And I think that that's the whole point of this. I'm just going to say this as we end, like people often ask me like why I work the way I do, mm-hmm. why I, I, and I think there's just a part of me that like, it's ingrained in me. Like this is just how my personality is. I'm curious about things mm-hmm. and I like mm-hmm. to see what suits me, but also I care about my family and there's in our stability so much about the future. And maybe that's a good thing or a bad thing, but like, that's what drives me. It's like, I just want our family to be stable and it's so hard. And let me just tell you, my husband was a graduate student. I put him through school. Wow. He ended up losing a contract for a tenure track position at one point. We had no idea how money was going to come in. I've been the primary breadwinner for our family off and on for years. And I just want to create a sense of stability, not just for my kids, but for myself. And that's part of why I keep doing what I'm doing is for my family <laughs> to feel stable. And I just, uh, that's, I, if, it, if that wasn't happening, I probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, but like, that's my motivator is my family. I mean, I love it. And it is, it is so hard to be a creative in this world. Uh, don't worry, don't worry about that. It's so hard to be a creative in this world because I don't know. I feel like I got out of journalism school and basically the first message I got from the world is like, you're lucky to even have a job and be paid and be getting anything. And there's 20 people who want it and take this unpaid internship. And it's very hard to feel like your work is valued. And so if you're like, not only like, kind of scratching your creative itch and creating work that speaks to you, but supporting yourself and supporting your family and supporting your employees, you know, that is like, that is success, uh, by any measure. Um, I think in our our business, it's not about the the monetary number, but I will tell you it's been 13 years of very slow and steady growth for me. 
Um, it ha there's no such thing as like a magic wand that you can wave to do this work. If you're going to do it, you have to commit that it's going to take a while and you have to stick with it. But I really think if you keep learning and growing and refining, then it can provide you with the stability that you're looking for. And maybe I, I know I'm lucky, but I've also worked really, really hard. Totally, totally. No, and this did not I, come easy. Oh, I just want to be careful with how I say that because I don't want to sound, you know, I don't want to sound like I don't recognize the, how hard it is. It, in some ways, I think it's harder than ever to run a creative business. There's so much noise. Uh, things move so fast. But I also think that I've seen like from my students who come like through my program, like it is possible to create a life that suits you. And, I'll, and we need to wrap this up, I know. But like, I have a colleague of mine, actually, we get confused for each other all the time here in Northwest Arkansas because we look <laughs> a lot alike. And we couldn't be more different than how we run our creative businesses. We sell the exact same products, but not exact products, same types of products. Uh -huh. She also teaches, she also licenses. She's like almost a one woman operation and she likes it to be that way. And yet her work fulfills her emotionally and financially. She has found security through that. Not everybody needs to build like a big machine. And I wouldn't even say mine is a big machine, but I don't do it alone. But there's like a quiet way of running a business as an artist that is completely wonderful. And then there might be someone like me who's like super curious about everything and is just scratching every itch. And that's also okay too. There's so many different ways to do this, but I do hope that more artists are able to find financial security through the hard work that they're putting in, right? Oh, totally. Me too. I mean, every time I see someone, you know, land that sale or like make it to that next level, it's like, ugh, it's so, re it's personally rewarding. I mean, I, I don't literally have skin in their game, but I feel like my skin is in everybody's game. And so, you know, well, I, I love seeing people. Know. <laughs> okay. But it, we'll just, it's because of you and your investment in this community, how many voices have gotten to be heard because of like the work that you're doing. Um, it takes all of us to be able to keep this industry growing. And I think that like um, our goal is to uplift each other as mm -hmm. creative businesses and brands and to shine a light on the people who are just like having those breakthroughs. And I think that's the beautiful part of it. Like our corner of the world is like, I think we're kind of a little nice corner. We're nice oh, absolutely. Corner. Absolutely. Oh, and we're so like, I mean, I, I've a couple of times I've almost gotten out, but like the mob, it just keeps pulling you back in. Cause it's just, it's the best yeah. place to be <laughs> unlike the mob. <laughs> so yeah, we're not a part of the mob. No, we're not. In the mob. Maybe the stationary mob, but we're a good mob. <laughs> Yeah, we'll make you lick envelopes if you if you if you do do us dirty. We're gonna make you just lick all the envelopes over and over again, like that Seinfeld episode. You know? So look that. I love it. I love it, and I love that you came by. It has been such a treat visiting with you. Thank you so much for coming by the paper folds. Thank you for having me, and hopefully people aren't too scared off from this interview. I was all over. <laughs> no, we. I love it, and I feel like the Creative Powerhouse Society is the place to be. So sign up. It opens up again in August. You're, you can sign up now, but then the classes start in August. So, I mean, yeah. what yeah, a great- Yeah, so you can just visit leverageyourart.com. Leverageyourart.com is the domain for that. So Absolutely, and I will put all this in the liner notes. Thank you so much. It's such a, it was so wonderful to see your face. And um, I, I hope that I get to see you in person soon. I hope our paths cross in real life soon. I bet they will. I bet Thank they you will. so much, Sarah. Thank you.
Thank you so much, Stacy, for coming on The Paper Fold. After listening to her, suddenly building your brand and business just as you envision it suddenly seems accessible. Remember, there is no winning blueprint to a successful business. As long as you are staying afloat, you get to design the framework. Meanwhile, you can shop Gingerbur at gingerbur.com and access the Creative Powerhouse Society at leverageyourart.com. So finally, thank you for listening. Again, our theme music is by the wonderful Sharon Glassman of Smile Songs. See and hear more at smilesongs.com. If you like what you are hearing, please give me a five-star rating. And if you feel like waxing eloquent, please feel free to leave a review too. Thank you so much, nerds. Stay safe.